Good morning, church. How many of you are enjoying the book of Hebrews? It's, it's like a journey. We never know where we are going to be landing, but we know that it's His Word, and it's profitable, and it's uh, there for our correction, for our training, and that's what we are going to be praying this morning, that He will do these things in our hearts. Amen. Lord, we come before you this morning with open hearts. We want to hear your voice, and we want to be willing to obey it, to follow it. Give us, Lord, attentive ears, receptive hearts, so then your word will do what you will, what the purpose that you will send us to us in this morning. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Amen. So, today we will continue with the letter to the Hebrews. The main idea, the, the last three Sundays, has been Hebrews chapter 3, verse 7, that says, Today, if you hear His voice... Do not harden your hearts. If you do, if you do harden your hearts, there will be consequences. You will not enter the rest God is offering to you and to me. So there is a warning in the scripture for all of us. You remember in chapter 3 of Hebrews, in verse 7, the book of Hebrews is telling us, take care. Take care lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. So the last Sunday, Pastor Douglas took us through chapter 4, the first seven verses of chapter 4, where we read about God's rest. God's rest started on the seventh day of creation. You remember? He took us to Genesis chapter 2, verse 2, where it says that God rested on the seventh, seventh day from all His work. And that is the rest that the writer of Hebrews is talking about. That is the rest that the writer of Hebrews is having in mind when he is talking about the rest of God. That is an invitation that is a welcoming to all of us to come and enter to God's rest. And that's why we saw in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 6, that the rest of God remains for all of us. But, but the people of Israel confuse the promised land with God's rest. They thought that Joshua's victory when they conquered the promised land and the security and the prosperity that follow 
That was God's rest. They did not understand that God's rest was not to be confused with a piece of land. Look at the, look at the passage that we are reading this morning, and we start in verse 8 and 9. It says, For if Joshua have given them rest, God will not have spoken of another day later on. So then, there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. Think about this. Joshua led the people of Israel to the promised land, right? They enter the promised land, right? And five years after they enter the promised land, the Holy Spirit inspired King David in Psalm 95 these words. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Enter to my rest. So there must be another rest because it was not the promised land that the people of Israel believe they will be receiving in the promised land. And one more time, 1,000 years later, the writer of Hebrews, through the Holy Spirit, tells us again, today, as in Psalm 95, 1,000 years ago, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Enter my rest. So you see, God's rest has always been available. Started when God rested on the seventh day from all his work, continue in Joshua's time, and then in David's time. And now the writer is telling us that the rest of God is still available for you and for me. So what is what is this rest God is inviting us to enter? And the answer is pretty evident through the book of Hebrews. The whole purpose of the book of Hebrews is to introduce us to the person of our Lord Jesus Christ so that we might see the fact of our need of him and that we might trust him as our Lord and as our Savior and that we might enter into the rest that God has promised, not just for Abraham, not just for the people of Israel in the times of Joshua or in the times of David or in the times of the readers of the book of Hebrews, but to all of us. That's why when Jesus came, when he was walking among us, he was claiming in front of a multitude, and he was telling that people in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 to 30, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you what? Rest. 
Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest again, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Since the fall, humans have tried to substitute this rest with external things. Adam and Eve try with a fruit. They thought that that would give them the rest. The people of Israel thought that was a piece of land. And people these days, they still continue thinking that external things are the rest of God. But notice when Jesus is calling to come to him, he is offering rest for our soul. It's not tangible. And I don't know about you, but have you ever found yourself on a boat in the middle of a quiet lake or cuddled up with a book by the fire and yet felt anxious and worried? Have you ever experienced that? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Because no matter how much we change our external situation, our true rest is only in Jesus. Look what verses 9 and to 11 says. So then, there remain, there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For Whoever has entered God's rest. Let me read that again. For whoever has entered God's rest. This reminds me two verses. Whoever believes in, in him will have eternal life. And the other verse that reminds me is that Therefore, those who are in the rest of God, those who are in Jesus, those are in God's rest. So he continued, for whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. There comes an invitation in verse 11. Let us therefore, again, let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. And again, he's talking about the disobedient people in the wilderness, right? 
The word strive is key in this passage. Striving means making haste, being in earnest, and concentrating one's energy on achieving a goal. Yes, striving implies effort, diligence, and perseverance in the Christian life. That doesn't mean, we need to make this declaration, that doesn't mean that our own efforts save us. No. That is the purpose of entering God's rest. We enter in Christ because Christ did the work for all of us. He completed the work that you cannot do. And he is offering you and me instead his rest. So, once we are in God's rest, we persevere day after day. We work diligently in our salvation until one day there will be no more striving, no more temptations, no more trials. We will be at peace and in rest with God forever. But the writer is telling us here, meanwhile, we concentrate all our energy, all our efforts on persevering until the end. In the book, The Pilgrim's Progress, that I will recommend to all of you to read, John Bunyan tells us about this pilgrim who's, who finds all kinds of distractions on his way to the celestial city. He encounters respect and reputation. It's like a character there. And he's trying to distract the pilgrim. He encounters fame and glory trying to distract the pilgrim. He encountered Mr. Comfort. He encountered worldly wisdom. And he encountered as well despair, persecution, and discouragement. And in all his journey, pilgrim, keeps reminding himself that all these things are temporary. He has his eyes on the celestial city, and he press on. He constantly has to refocus his vision to see what is eternal and what is not eternal. At the end of today's, today's text, the writer of Hebrews does something that seems out of place. He closes his line of thought with a passage, with a verse, verse 12, 
that seems that is unrelated to what he has been saying. If you read it with me, you will find that at first sight doesn't make much sense. So let's go and let's read together verse 12. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. So the question is, what is the connection between verse 11 and verse 12? Notice that he is talking about, let us therefore strive to enter God's rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. And here comes verse 12. For, you can change the word for there, for the word because. And he goes, the word of God is living and active. What is the connection here? What is the connection in these verses? And this is the idea here. Disobedience always involves rejection of God's word. God's word has been in the mind of the writer of Hebrews since the beginning. Remember how the letter began in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1, it says, Long time ago, at many times, in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophet, but in these last days, he has spoken. Long ago, God spoke. You see, since the beginning, the writer is thinking about the word of God. And then in chapter 3, it says, today, if you hear his voice, today, if you hear his word, do not harden your heart. Don't be disobedient as the people in the wilderness when God spoke and they didn't listen to him. And therefore, they didn't enter God's rest the same word is coming today for you and for me. Bible commentator says, when the author of Hebrews uses the phrase for the word of God in verse 12, he refers to the same invitation God made to his people in the past to join him in his rest. But they didn't listen. They did not believe God, and as a result, they did not enter his rest. This promise of rest is open to us too. And the way of entering, it is the same. Believing God's word. The point of Hebrews Chapter 4, verse 12, is that because the Word of God is living, today is living, is active and sharp and discerning, we cannot ignore it. 
The word of God has spoken to us, and therefore, we have only two choices. We believe it, or we don't believe it. We receive it, or we reject it. Thank you, Johnis. That is why the author of Hebrews has verse 12 in there as he does. He is warning us. He wants us to seek to enter God's rest diligently. And if we are going to do that, we cannot ignore his word that he is giving you and me today. Our hearts are like a garden. And in every garden grows every kind of weeds. And those who like gardening knows that there is no way that you can sit down and think, Oh, I just have flowers there or roses. There is no weed. No, gardening is a hard work. But the word of God is like the garden knife. These knives have a, have a trowel-like, trowel or it's like a triangle blade with a sharp edge to let the gardener Dig, plant, and cut. The blade is sharpened on both sides to help cut through the weed and to divide between the plant and the weed. When the word of God comes, it exposes who we really are and what lies beneath the surface. The Word of God discerns the thoughts and intentions of our hearts. But this is the good news for you and for me. This is a good news for you and for me because there is rot and mildew build up in our hearts that need to be exposed. And the Word of God does that in us. It reveals what is in our heart. And verse 13 closes by saying this, no creature is hidden from his sight. If you read it there, it says, and no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. His word will show us who we really are 
in our real problem. But not to condemn us. The word of God exposes us because if we don't deal with these things in our heart that are constantly growing in us, then we will make the same mistake that the people of Israel did. They doubted the word of God. They disbelieved the word of God. And they turned away from the living God and never, never enter God's rest. So that is why verse 11 is telling us, let us therefore make every effort to let the word of God cut the things that need to be cut and expose the things that need to be exposed so that we will run the race that we have ahead of us without this burden, without limitations. As we say in, in, when you are running, you will fly because you will have nothing that keeps us to run to God's rest. Today, if you hear his voice, today, if you hear his invitation to enter to his rest, let the word of God help helps you to discern where are you and our my prayer is that we will be that kind of soil that will say to the gardener take out this weed lord use your word to show me the deepest deepest desire desires of my heart. Lord, use your word to keep me running to obtain the prize that is Jesus Christ, the rest of God for you and for me. Amen. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your word and thank you for the opportunity that we are having to come and to recognize that there are things in our hearts that we really don't know that we have in our hearts it's only your word that open our eyes to see the hidden things in order to ask your help, to ask your assistance, to ask you that you will remove all these things that are hindering us to obtain the rest that is being offered through Jesus Christ.